Hello and welcome back to We Are History. Angela, I think your coffee is just arriving at the time oh, we there start. there it is. Look at that. Thank you very much. The staff are working hard for Angela there. <laughs> Angela, did you have a good Christmas? I had a lovely Christmas. It feels so long ago now, it does, Christmas, it? because I, I think January was about 170 days long. It is, it? it is. Even longer if you're waiting for a present, Angela. Oh, oh John. Did you like my present? Right. Did you like my concrete candle holders? My Christmas present from John was beautiful, very on brand, beautiful little concrete candle holders. I bought John an incredible Christmas present. I ordered him um, from the DDR Museum in Berlin. Um, the Museum of, of East Germany, I ordered you a board game that was called Stasi Raus, which means Stasi out. Okay. And it looked incredible. It's a thought that counts. <laughs> and I thought it'd be brilliant. We could play it together, John. It'd be really fun. And I also bought you a face mask that had a trabant on it. Oh, these were all lovely presents. Right? Brilliant presents. They never um, came. They never came, Angela. <laughs> I ordered it on the 6th of December. And I ordered it to come to my house and then I was going to send it to you. It's Brexit, it's Brexit. Like, wrap it up nicely. Well, I do think that might have had part of it because it probably sat in Dover for a while. But according to the track, and I have had many twos and fro's with DHL in German, might right. I add, really got to practice my German. Apparently, the parcel came to my house and then went away again, all the way back to Berlin. Oh. Ended up back at the DDR Museum. Feels and like I, there might be dark forces me. at play here. The Stasi I are still so. out there. They're yeah, still exactly. preventing they these gifts from the gift from the DDR Imagine Museum. what sort of lists I'm on with my Google searches, and now I'm ordering things with Stasi Raus on them. And yeah. anyway, well, so anyway, the thanks for the counts, thought. John, thanks for the thought. It was a lovely present uh, <laughs> when you sent me the picture of it. Just think that present is more well-travelled than you and I this that, year. It's true. It's not been in lockdown. It's been all over the place. What are we talking about this week, Angela, on wearehistory.pod.com? Well, we decided, didn't we, that what we would do for this little block of episodes coming up is we would focus on subjects that we know are on the primary school curriculum. Because oh, yes. lots of parents are homeschooling at the moment. Oh. <laughs> 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 Feeling very smug about my life choices, John, right now. Yeah, my children are um, grown up, so I'm fine as well. Yeah, although my friend did then point out, it's like, you can laugh now, but wait till you're old and we're in a decent nursing home and you're wherever they put you, which is a good point. But we thought it'd be handy to do some topics that are on the curriculum so parents can listen and, you know, maybe by listening to us, they'll get a bit of an overview of the subject, then they can help their kids And if you it. don't swear too much, the kids can listen to them too. No fucking promises. <laughs> Um, it's open goals and Barnes taps it away. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, so with that in mind, we're not without without week, us losing our unique quirky take on the world and and our interesting. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to turn it into a boring history schools podcast, and colleges. Yeah. You know, Do you remember yeah, that thing exactly. at school when they wheeled the telly into that room and then you counted down the whole minute waiting for the program oh, to the, start? The, did, yeah. Did, yeah, the little white dots yeah, count yeah. them down on the clock oh, face. That was, yeah. that was entertainment back then. Oh, because oh, you could waste a good 20 minutes of the lesson with the teacher trying to remember how to work a yeah, video player. Exactly. That would be... Oh, happy, happy days. Happy days. So, anyway, See, this... Spike, our producer's looking at us on this Zoom going, what's a VHS? What are they talking about? <laughs> but, um, anyway... The, so, what we do... So, what's the so, subject? Well, Angela, so, you're going to lead on this. What is the subject today? We are talking about, John, the great stink... Oh, that sounds good. ...of 1858... 
So it's safe to say that this episode is going to be a load of old shit. It is literally um, going to be about poo. This is a... it's, There's going to be a lot of poo. We're talking about sewers, yeah. sexy sewers, John. Uh, maybe. Um, no, because right now, you may know, it's going to be a very London-centric episode, this, I'm afraid, because the Great Stink is something that happened in London. Yeah, the problem of dealing with human waste, uh, you know, work, uh, applies to every society, and it just sort of, they, you know, it was uh, most focused in the great conurbation of London, of course. Exactly. And right now, there's a new big... Thames Tideway Super Sewer is being constructed as we speak, yeah, John. Well, maybe not as we speak. I don't know if they can do it in lockdown. Who no, knows? they are. But I passed it the other day when I we're doing lots of walks at the moment. And so we, every time we cross the river, it's like all the roads are up and they're, you know, there's all these signs mm. and big ex- explaining things. It is due to open in 2025, I think, the new sewer system. Excited. Can't um, wait. <laughs> but, you know, th- this is the first new sewer system since what we're talking about yeah in the 1860s in, in the mid 19th century yeah. so um it's a pretty incredible story so if we go back to the beginning right back to the beginning oh, you like to go back, right to, back the beginning. to the beginning big bang uh, <laughs> the, no. the earth cools no. <laughs> so obviously human beings depend on water right so naturally human settlements grow up around water sources yes and the size of those settlements very much depend on the mm. sort of size and quality of the water supply um, and the longevity of those settlements depends on the purity of the water supply. But obviously, John, yes. what goes in must come out. Oh, OK. Right? It's going to be so a smutty one. This going to be a very scatological it's be a episode. <laughs> it's going to be so scatological, this one. <laughs> because we're lucky we live when we live. Mm. You do your business in private in a locked bathroom, yes. flush the toilet, and it, it's out of sight, out of mind. And I yet, think. Uh, I think that the human waste and the business of uh, disease has had enormous impact on human history. And always mm. we talk about the generals and the politicians, but just the differing levels of hygiene in the British and French armies made a massive difference to world history. I think quite, you know, so many yeah. more uh, soldiers were lost throughout history to disease, to typhus, to diarrhea or whatever. And mm. yet they don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about army formations. They want to talk about general tactics. They don't want to talk about they pooing near the because, water source. Yeah, exactly. They drank shit. Yes. In medieval London, for example, you, you had cesspits. Where there were, yes. So big houses would have enclosed latrines that would be attached to their home. Yes. Which emptied into these big, deep cesspits. And smaller houses would have a bucket or a stall over a basin, which would be emptied daily into the cesspit and you had people whose job it was they were called night soil men best job i ever had (laughs) so their job was to empty the cesspits and they would basically take the shit to agricultural land i'm not sure i want my strawberries grown on human excrement if i'm honest (laughs) is it any worse than horse excrement i don't know it smells worse doesn't it i mean uh it does to us john because we're (laughs) We're designed to be disgusted by the smell, aren't we? Oh, but look, darling, pick different. your own strawberries. Fun for all the family. Squelch, splat, squelch. <laughs> I think that actually manure from animals that eat vegetables, like horses and cows, mm. is far less offensive than meat-eating animals like dogs and humans. So what you're saying is that my manure yes. would be fine. Yes, your manure as a vegetarian, Angela. Fine, no problem. Yes. No problem picking my strawberries off that. Oh, good. Well, good to know that, John, because but, but I have been shitting Clarkson in your garden. Jeremy with his steaks. <laughs> no way. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want it. I don't want it near my vegetable patch. 
<laughs> I will tell Jeremy Clarkson to stop shitting in your garden. <laughs> if you would, if you would, I haven't got this the nerve. This has descended so quickly. I mean, we knew it was going to happen. <laughs> All right, night watch. But I didn't think it would happen in the first five minutes. <laughs> didn't these cesspits that they had in their back garden, yeah. because there was, you know, people started to use uh, uh, flush toilets, they started to have too much liquid in them. I've got a quote here from Samuel Pepys's diaries. Uh, he records uh, in 20th of October, 1660. Going down to my cellar, I put my feet into a great heap of turds, by which I find that Mr. Turner's house of office is full and comes into my cellar. So your neighbour's poo is all bubbling up into your cellar and the turds are floating around. You go down to get the sort of, you know, the, the coal scuttle or whatever. There's all turds floating about. Oh, God. I mean, the smell must have been terrible, mustn't it? Really bad. But anyway, so 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 we were saying how human excrement was taken off to agricultural land, which was quite close to central yeah. London back then, of course. So that wasn't much yes, of a journey. Yes, of course. London didn't have the urban sprawl that it has today. Yeah. So there's always been different ways of taking waste away. Uh, the Romans laid clay pipes, mm-hmm. which that sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> Thank you. In itself. It's, and in 1592, the flush toilet... Uh, was invented. The credit for it goes to Sir John Harrington. I always thought it was Thomas Crapper. I think he, Thomas Crapper was the guy who developed the, uh, the flush toilet in the late Victorian times. Sort of, or made I think it he painted it in a new version of it. It's, it's rather great right. nominative determinism that Crapper invented the toilet. But yeah, he had a raised cistern, didn't he? That's right. This child, he was the godson of Elizabeth I and he invented a water closet with a raised cistern and a small downpipe. That's right. We have a uh, joke about this in my, in my Shakespearean musical. Which oh, is yes, yeah, the brothers going. What's the joke? We've got a, we've got a, we've got to start being. How does it go? The world is changing, brother. A man invented a toilet which flushes. And he goes, what? He didn't just throw his shit out into the street. No, he pulls a lever and it gets flushed down a pipe, and then it goes out into the street. And <laughs> so we, we used to get a laugh on shit in the street, and then we get a laugh on, and then out into the street. Uh, this is... Apparently, it's a bit of a myth the throwing your shit into the street. I, I thought loo comes from garde loo, meaning careful water. Careful coming water out. coming yeah. out. Yeah, garde loo, I but... think they might have thrown piss into the street, maybe because that yeah. maybe was less offensive. But apparently, it's a bit of a myth that they threw shit because they had cesspits, and it's not like they didn't have a sense of smell. I know there's this thing that you know Elizabethans all went around reeking because they yeah. couldn't. They, you know, it's all they knew and they didn't, but they, you know, they still had as the, a disgust mechanism. <laughs> as the owner of a narrowboat, Angela, I am very interested yes. in the sewage and its disposal. And the, the problem, oh, yes. the problem with my pump out tank is, is we, the amount of liquid that you have to put into it. So whenever I'm in the countryside and I'm, you know, on the way back from the pub, I'll usually try and wee against a tree rather mm. than fill up my tank. And I'm always going to Jackie before we leave the pub. Don't no, go for a wee now. Don't, don't do it back on the boat. <laughs> and, and so we have... We have grey water, which is like you're washing up liquid, your shower water. That's allowed to go into the Thames. But the black yeah. water, you know, your number twos and your number yeah. ones, I suppose, that yeah. has to go into this special holding tank and I have to pump it all out at the Ugh. lock. And there's little glass windows so you can see it's coming through. So you get to see all the, you know. You see all your family's turds. <laughs> see your family's turds whooshing through and the lock keeper standing over you going, you're done you with that, yeah? go, who's done that one? Whose was that? Who yeah, was and then one of my, my son's... Uh, friends, she put loads of wet wipes from her makeup in it, and it clogged up the whole machine. And this bloke at the lock keeper was going, "Well, you're not supposed to put wet, but you had to take it all apart, the pump out machine." Uh, I know. So uh, I'm ready. I did a gig once, and then I was emceeing a gig, and I got chatting to a woman. I can't remember how this came out, but it turned out that she took a photograph of every poo that she had, wow. and she had them all on her phone. Okay. 
And, and then it was showing me. I was like, no, I don't need to see Great it. Great pilot. I'm not sure about the series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the 18th century now. 1723 uh, is when the Chelsea Water Company was established. So this was the first of several private water companies. And they just took water out of the Thames at Chelsea? Took water out of the Thames at Chelsea to supply, to presumably to water pumps. Right. Or, no, to, you know, yeah, to, to yeah. divert to... Houses. You know, and now the flaw in this plan, if I may point it out, is that the mm-hmm. sewage was going into the River Thames and they were taking the water out of the River Thames and London's population was growing. Yes. Well, this is it. From 1815, Londoners were legally able to convey their sewage directly into the Thames. So up to that point, you've, you've been cesspool. using your cesspits yeah. and going out to, to agricultural land. From 1815, they went, we've got an idea. You know, that water that you get your fresh drinking water from, just put your shit in that. That's, that's so much more convenient. Yeah. Right? Yeah, what can possibly go wrong with what this plan? What could possibly go wrong? Um, and this is at the time. of life. This is at the time when all the graphs, population growth, industrial mm-hmm. uh, activity, they all start to skyrocket upwards. So London's population yeah. is like doubling every 10 or 15 yeah, years. Yeah, industrial point. revolution. Yeah. Populations are getting concentrated in cities, London particularly. Now, the book I read on this, and I think it's probably the one you've read as well, Angela, The Great Stink of London uh, mm-hmm. by Stephen Halliday. Yeah. There's a good story in that about you could, you know, so they used some of the old rivers of London, mm. like the, the the Fleet and the Westbourne. Ephra, yeah, down Tyburn. Brixton Way, isn't it? And, yeah. Um, the Fleet yeah, they're all sort of still under Tyburn. there, flown yeah. away. But um, some of them were covered over and you could sail up them. You could still paddle up in a rowing boat up these massive tunnels or up these covered rivers. Mm. And there's a story in this about somebody getting as far as Buckingham Palace and saying they're underneath Buckingham Palace at the moment. We're in the sewer of Buckingham Palace. And they stood up and sung the national anthem. <laughs> this yes, is the, right, these are royal turds coming down these pipes. <laughs> yeah, show some respect yes. um, to your royal turds. Yeah, but was it was it Richard the Turd? Oh, very good. Uh, uh, I, 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 I didn't. Yeah, I could have done that yeah, better. But yeah, I, I, well, yeah, it was quick, John. It's good, That's it's good, the main yeah, thing. Keep sending stuff in, and we do use. <laughs> Um, I'm not match fit, John. It's, you know, (laughs) we're in lockdown. And at the same time, there was a new disease coming from abroad, isn't there? There's a new... Yes. Yes. So this is it. So from the 1820s, we start to have cholera epidemics in Britain. Um, They spread from, started in India, spread across Asia via the Caspian Sea and and continental Europe. First came ashore in Britain in Sunderland in 1831. Okay. Um, and, and it's quite interesting reading about these cholera epidemics sort of through the lens of living through a, a pandemic. Yes, of course. <laughs> at the moment, because you can see how... And obviously we've got a much better understanding of disease theory, and we'll come on to that in a minute, yeah. um, now than they did in the early 19th century when they did, you know, they, they were sort of winging it really on, on where disease came. They could treat disease, but where it came from, they didn't really know. The Lancet, the, the sort of famous medical journal... Uh, there was, they reported from Vienna that a community of Jews in Wiesnitz had escaped its effects by rubbing their bodies with a liniment containing wine vinegar, camphor powder, mustard pepper, garlic and ground beetles. Ground beetles was so, the surprising one there for me. It was a bit of a shock. <laughs> but I just find it really fascinating because I suppose when you don't know where disease comes from, you're like, well... Give it a go. Be, could be. Ground beetles not? could be the thing. I think it's worth talking about disease theory a little bit at this point. So... This is long before germ theory, which didn't really come about yeah. till the, the late 19th century or later in the 19th century. Um, so people had lots of sort of um, ideas about where illness came from. Um, for example, there was a telluric theory 
um, which uh, supposed that poison emanated from the core of the earth. Okay. Okay, I'm not buying um, that and one. And that was how people got ill. No, not okay. How about um, electric theory, where the electricity in the atmosphere is what makes okay. you unwell? No, it doesn't sound Do very you, likely either. No, it doesn't. Because no. that, that works for me, because as you know, I am a 5G conspiracy <laughs> theorist, and that sort of fits in. I with thought, that Angela. Model. Just to cut across this, oh, I go. thought I that you were, you were a big up. Trumpian. <sighs> According to American TV and the most famous comedy show in the world, they've got you down as a Trump supporter, QAnon conspiracy theorist, invading the the the, the Capitol building in Washington. Would you like to explain <laughs> to our listeners? So, so last night, uh, last night on Saturday Night Live, well, not last night, last Saturday, presumably yeah. on uh, Saturday Night Live. They did a sketch uh, featuring a woman who was a uh, one of the people who stormed the Capitol, a patriot, Trumpian, full works, and they decided to call her Angela Barnes. I knew it. Um, I always knew it. <laughs> oh, she's, you, if you can see the Zoom call, listeners, she's got her, her stars and stripes there. She's wearing guns. Flag. She's like open carry during the podcast. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't, of all the names, they pick a left-wing British comedian. Yeah, left-wing. Who's famously, you know. Yeah, exactly. God. Yeah, all those woke programmes I'm on are just a cover (laughs) job. This is it. I found the real Angela Barnes to this point. I can't believe they've outed me. (laughs) (laughs) This is your new character now from comedic purposes. Well, no, this was a character. That's the real name. That's exactly. That's the real Um, answer. Obviously, yeah. So, anyway, back to Germany. So, the election was a fraud, you say? The election was the greatest theft in history. We won. Get over it. (laughs) Um, They stole the election. No. Right. So, yes, theories of disease. (laughs) So, other theories of disease, ozonic theory, the shortage of ozone, or the most common one um, was something called zymotic theory, which was also known as miasmic theory. And this was... So, miasma, the idea of miasma is that disease is in the air. Okay. And so, the miasma is the sort of... um, Do you know, I want... This genuinely true story. I wrote a... um, I think it was a, a sort of creative writing, piece of creative writing for my English GCSE right. in which I used the word miasma. Um, and my te- my teacher crossed it out and said, this isn't a word. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, it is. So I got my dictionary out and showed her and she quite rightly called no, me a smart quite rightly. You're, you're using a good <laughs> vocabulary and a word that she didn't know. Yeah. She might have had the humility to just check herself before crossing it out. Yeah. This is the Kent yeah. education system, I have to say. Well, they Grammar didn't schools, have bloody... in the internet then, you know, she would have had to go and get oh, a dictionary God, yeah. and looked it up. Bloody, and... this is... But I was so put out because I was just like, I, it's a word. Oh, Anyway. The injustice, you're still I, feeling it. And is that what I is that what drove you into the arms of Trump? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is gonna be so much fun. So Shit wasn't, Trump wasn't, all the way through this episode. Wasn't Florence Nightingale <laughs> a great believer in miasma theory? She was a real believer in miasmic theory, sort of long after it was disproved, yes, really. She died in nineteen ten, and by then I think we'd all worked out that germs under microscopes were a thing. In her notes on nursing, she um she still she criticized drains that were being laid underneath houses because she felt that the odours from the drains were what were causing measles and smallpox. Florence. But this was a this was a commonly held belief, and in the absence of any other theory and really knowing about bacteria and 
that it, it seemed as good a yeah. sort of... And it kind of makes sense, right? You go, oh, that horrible smell up my nose can't well, be doing Well, it's not completely wrong because, I mean, uh, yeah. the germs are in the poo, which smells horrible. Yeah. And, and there are yeah. airborne diseases. Yes. It's not that there aren't any. Absolutely. Um, it's just that yeah. cholera wasn't one of yes. them. But they also believed... Um, you had prison reformers in the 19th century who believed that even moral degeneracy could be spread through infected air. Like, that everything... <laughs> was the fault yeah. of, of the air. And it wasn't till it was 1883 that it was a German bacteriologist called Robert Koch who isolated cholera. Okay. And he he confirmed for sure that it was spread by water contaminated with feces. People had had their theories before then, hadn't they? They had, yeah. So in in let's go back to so we're in the 1830s Infant mortality is about fifty percent in British towns. That's incredible. Like that's sort of something we can't really get our heads no, around. No, I mean today. Uh, we're talking children between birth and five. I think would, yeah. only half of them would survive, which is incredible. Would really. survive past the age of yeah. five. So there were sort of um, social reformers around at the time who were trying to combat this. One of them was Edwin Chadwick. Yes. Um, and he, in the 1840s, in 1842, he wrote a report on the sanitary condition of the labouring population of Great Britain. Now, he was also a big believer in this miasmic theory. He believed that all smell is disease. And he who smelt um, it dealt it. That's right. <laughs> but even though he was wrong, technically, about the miasma theory, he had he did see that there was a relationship between insanitary living conditions and disease. Yeah. And also, um, you know, that these conditions... The, the, the sort of social degeneracy and immorality and all of that stuff, although they blamed it on this miasmic thing, the two they were linked to insanitary conditions. They were linked to people living in poverty, you know. Yeah. So they were making links, not for the right reasons, but they were at least making the links. Yeah, I see. He felt that the the economic effects, of course, of poor living conditions is that you have people die of cholera. And they leave families behind. So you have cholera widows and orphans yes. who then have to be supported by the poor rates and the new poor law. So they, it, it costs him, is what he's saying. This, this, so this, it costs him. It costs us money. It costs him and taxpayers, yeah. right? So if you want to look at it yeah. in that way. Chadwick was, um, he was a big uh, sort of, this This was his big um, campaign, really, about sanitary. He even went to Paris and he gave advice to Napoleon III and in his advice, he says, Sire, they say that Augustus found Rome a city of brick and left it a city of marble. If your majesty finding Paris stinking will leave it sweet, you will more than rival the first emperor of Rome. Okay, well, yeah. So it's basically just clean up your city, yeah, mate. Yeah. So he saw the importance in removing the smells from dwellings more than he did the actual turds from the so river. So the they, they thought the smells were the problem, not the yeah. things that were causing the smells. So deal with the smells, That's you deal right. with the disease. I mean, this whole thing That's reminds right. me, there's a bit that uh, it's not, you know, a million miles from today about how we care so much about you know the cleanliness of the inside of our toilets and don't care at all about you know the sewage still being discharged into the Thames or into the mm. sea or our oceans yeah Ben Elton used to do this whole bit about you know the slightest skid mark and you scrub it and flush blue loo down it and then once it's gone past the view bend you're swimming it you'll drink it it doesn't yeah, matter and it's, it's true. Yeah, so, it's true. so uh, yeah but, but we're very out of sight out of mind we are, about we are. Our my house once it's out clean. of our house it. we don't, don't want to think about it we think it, the fairies yeah. come and take it away and exactly you know we never have to worry about it again the important thing to say about chadwick though is he wanted the state to sort of sort this out he was an authoritarian he wanted to see a board appointed to oversee everything yeah. 
1846, Parliament passed the Nuisances Removal and Diseases Prevention Act, which is also known as the Cholera Bill. And its purpose was to encourage property owners to clean their dwellings and connect them to sewers. Right now, there's a slight problem with this. Yes, because where did the sewers go? (laughs) Where did the sewers go? Into the river that they were drinking. So it was really flawed, the cholera bill, because it relied on this miasma theory. So they thought, as long as they get rid of the smell from people's houses, then they'll be fine. Except it wasn't. It was actually making matters worse because it it encouraged all the middle classes to get their flush toilets into the... So we're out of their houses, but of course straight into the drinking. I know, and then and with the increasing number of sewers under the ground, I read in the mm. uh, that uh, Peter Ackroyd biography of London talks about the Toshers, mm. who are these people who used mm. to walk around in the sewers with lamps, trying to find any goodies that have accidentally been flushed down, like coins, weirdly, or anything of right. value that might have been flushed away. And often they would they would pass out from the stench and and die down in the sewers, and then the rats would pick their bones clean. Uh, but apart from that, it was a great job. Being a tosher or <laughs> going through the sewers, trying to, but um, lovely. So yeah, so, there's, so there were sewers before Basil Basil yet. We should say that. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, there were. Yeah. They were very sort of rudimentary. Oh, the Romans yeah, had of course, yeah. sort of rudimentary sewers, but yeah, um, and and also the sewers were sort of on, like you say, on existing riverways and yeah. things. You know, they weren't. I mean, they keep quite the, the engineering feat that they became. The key point here is that London is a tidal river, uh, so the water Ooh. would. The, 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 the sewage would go into it, but it would slop up and down all the way up to Teddington, back out to the, you know, beyond the Isle of Dogs. And um, all that time, water was being drawn at lots of points along the river to be fed into yeah. the water systems. And people were drinking this stuff, which was disgusting. Yeah, full of shit. And the, the, the <laughs> salmon, so there used to be salmon in the Thames until about 1830, I think. And then suddenly there were none. Right. Uh, which is always even the salmon went. Well, fuck the salmon is actually the, sort of the best way of <laughs> measuring how clean your water is because they're very fussy about right. their water. And so when the salmon stopped to be, and suddenly there were no fish at all, and all the fishermen mm. living making their earning along the Thames had, um, had had no fish. So that was always a sign that it was right. little, you know the only things living in there were horrible little cholera germs. And you don't caught a thing today. Hepatitis. Typhus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? Yes. Um, so uh, in eighteen forty nine. Yep. Dr. John Snow oh. is important. Now, John, here I feel like I should make a joke about Game of Thrones, but the problem is I've never watched it. I'm a Channel 4 it. news person myself. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just imagine, you people at home, make your own jokes like about Game of Thrones yeah, here. Yeah. Um, so he was a, a pioneer anaesthetist, sort of in the birth of yes. an, anaesthetism. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the, what's the now? Anaesthetism. He was an anaesthetist. Okay. But what's the noun for his discipline? Anaesthetism. Anaesthetics. Oh, Jesus, that was going to kill me. Right. (laughs) So he publishes a paper called On the Mode of Communication of Cholera. Now, it's not until the 1880s, 40 years later, that Mm. Robert Koch actually confirms the theory of, of... that it's transported yeah. in feces, etc. But he noticed something. But he, he noticed something, and he worked out that the transmission seemed to be happening because of sewage in the water supply. And there was a particular Broad Street, was it? Yeah, in Soho? what's now Broadwick Street? There's that's um, what Great Marlborough Street. Broadwick Street, Street there. that's it. Yeah, there, there was a water pump yeah. that he sort of basically worked out that all the people using that water pump were dying. Yeah, and so he couldn't really get anyone to 
to believe his theory, but he did manage to get them to remove the handle of the water yeah, pump to so stop people, people using stop it. Dying. So he probably saved a lot of lives. Yeah. So there's a pub down there um, in uh, Soho called uh, the John Snow when there's a plaque up saying, about, explain the whole yep. story. It's actually a Sam Smith's pub. So as a tribute to his work, the beer tastes like piss as well. Uh, <laughs> the beer's bad, isn't <laughs> it? it? Is Sam Smith. I really want to love a Sam Smith, but their, their India pale ale is undrinkable. Uh, well, it tastes it's like It's a tribute soap. to the cholera infected water. <laughs> Uh, lawyers do your worst um but yeah so that was in the mid 1850s long before anyone approved uh you know the mortality rates yeah it wasn't until the 1880s so but and it was in 1849 it was that early that he first went hang on a minute there's something going on here so that was um john snow by the beginning of the 1850s the the situation in the river thames is getting really dire in 1850 punch magazine do a cartoon that um it's like a, a a magnifying glass over the River Thames and it's just full of like bugs and disgusting things um, because by 1850 the population of London's two million people yeah. all of a sudden that's a lot of poo you know, that's, that's a lot of poo Angela that's a lot of shit going in <laughs> into the Thames the river. so it's, it's starting to be a problem um, but in 1852 Edward Coke who was the sort of Toby Young of his day or the Angela Barnes he, as Saturday Night Live would have it thanks mate thank you he argued that nature should be left to carry away sewage in rainfall. That's what right. that's what nature's for. That's what, you know, the, the rain will take care of it. And to build sewers is an unnecessary expense for this purpose. Uh, he attacked the engineering profession for trying to do it. He attacked the general board of health. Because basically, they were really against... There was a real sort of fight, wasn't there, against this sort of paternalistic... Yeah. We need to look after people and, and the sort of libertarian kind Absolutely. of... Absolutely. They felt that the, each their, the free you know, market should deal with it all. I mean, I mean there was no exactly. London authority. This We should we should point this out. No. There was no uh, uh, London County council, council. There was no... So there was no one whose job yeah. this was. It was up to Parliament and uh, yeah. Parliament's instincts were to, was to do nothing. And the water was being supplied by private companies yeah. as was the, you know, taking care of the sewage. It was all private enterprise at this point. So when Edwin Chadwick, the reformer, kept trying to propose that, that you know, something needs to be done, just kept meeting all these barriers because of private interests. Uh, of course, that would never happen no. today. So we are now in 1855. Michael Faraday, famous scientist. Yep. Um, he writes a letter to the Times, a famous letter to the Times. And to demonstrate his point, he'd gone out into the river on a boat into the Thames and he got little pieces of white paper and he dropped them into the Thames and noted at what point you couldn't see the white paper anymore. And it was very quickly right, that they just sort of disappeared I would have felt bad about the litter and wanted to take the paper out again if it was me. But um, Yeah, well, that's the... Uh, but the uh, <laughs> that's the takeaway of Michael Faraday, they, little they, out. Yeah, yeah uh, little <laughs> out. I mean, you complain about the poo, but you don't mind chucking loads of paper in, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he wrote this famous letter to the Times and the Metropolitan Board of Works was formed, which is the first, it's the sort of birth of the... Local government, really. ...the London County Council. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first time there's been a sort of state-level control of the works yeah. in in London. But they were still constrained because you had a commissioner of works who had the veto and there were just constant arguments about who was going to pay to improve the sewers. And this went on for years and years. The dog is whining in the um, background. About, a, a, a dog, the dog is, is offended by the... This is my... 
my dog has got spoiled in lockdown. Oh, she's getting 24-7 attention, and now she's just sitting here with my, her toy in her mouth going, play why, with me, you bitch. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you talking about poo? I don't want to think about it. Yeah, stop talking about poo. She goes, that weird man She says, I know how poo is dealt with. Angela picks it yeah, up in a little bag. mine. <laughs> and then it's just out of sight, out of mind. So who should be coming um, over the horizon, Angela, who's riding to the rescue of here London? Here he comes, galloping along, is now. We've got to get this right, John, before we go... Bazalgette. Bazalgette. You've done linguistics. That's you... what we're going with. Bazalgette. Well, I, we looked at Wikipedia and because I can read a bit of phonetics, yep. according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia, which is the less popular site. <laughs> That's a much better name. <laughs> <laughs> according to Wikipedia, it's Bazalgette. Okay. So that's so, what we're going so with. Tina Joseph Bazalgette um, um, is the man who's going to change all this and rescue London from is. poo. Yes, so let's have a quick break. I'm going to um, flush the toilet and um, put the dog in another And room. not think about what happens after you flush. See you in a minute. See you in a bit. Welcome back to We Are History Part 2. Angela has just been off storming the Capitol building and wearing her Stars and, and Stripes John's t-shirt. And nice poo, haven't you, John? <laughs> and uh, I've just been here. Just thinking about whether I can carry on working with someone as right wing and as pro Trump as Angela <laughs> oh Barnes. If I hadn't tweeted about it, nobody would have known about it. I should have kept well, Chortle my mouth did a story on it, didn't they? I follow they did. them. So they I would did, I follow that. them. So I would have tweeted about it. Also, the world needs to know, Angela. They say there's not enough right wing comedians. So last, you're gonna be on <laughs> Actually maybe I've You can be on Have I Got News for you every week now. You'd be better than Julia yeah. Hartley Bloody Brewer. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to fake being a right-wing comedian because nobody's ever done that before. <laughs> I think you're um, good at that. So, anyway. Joseph Bajorjet yes. has noticed my gentle soft G. He has, uh, yes, he's definitely. come riding over the horizon. Entered the yeah. fray. Age 23, Bajorjet set up his own civil engineering practice. He was a bit of a civil engineering protégé of someone famous. Not Brunel, was it? And It no. wasn't Brunel, but it was someone else. <laughs> This is really um, good stuff, this. This is gold dust, historians. It's great, isn't it? See how how much research we do. I tell you this, he set up an office which had previously been occupied by both of the Stevensons and George Hudson, the railway entrepreneurs. And here's something you'll find interesting, John, that I found out after I sent you the notes, um, is he, in 1847, Bazalgette had a complete breakdown, right, to to go and take himself to the country for a year to recover. And do you know Why? Why? Railway mania. Ah, we did a podcast on that. We did a podcast on that. And he was involved in the construction of the railways. Oh, that's right. He he was stressed out by it. So stressed out by it. He had a complete breakdown and had to have a year off. But anyway, fast forward back to 1856. They asked Bazalgette to be chief engineer for the Metropolitan Board of Works this um, sort of committee that's been set up. The commissioner of works was a Welshman called Benjamin Hall, who, uh, Big Ben, is named oh, after. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was a real opponent of Chadwick's authoritarian ideas of, you know, the state looking. So basically, they've set up the Metropolitan Board of Works. Yeah. They know there's a problem. Yeah. And people are dying. And Edwin Chadwick has made the link between the problem with sewage and yeah. unsanitary conditions. But nobody wants to spend any money. Well, this is. The I mean, of works doesn't want to spend any money. I mean, it's a huge problem. I mean, this is you know, uh, uh, tons and tons of sewage, uh, millions of people drinking yeah. drinking uh, poisoned water. It's not something you can just do cheaply. No, and and so many people died of you know. I think the first cholera epidemic was like something like six thousand people, but by the I think there was one in the eighteen forties where about fourteen thousand people died. Wow. 
in London. You know, it's it's a huge problem. I mean, we're saying that now, you know, as we're sitting here in the middle of a pandemic that's just passed yeah. 100,000 deaths in this country. But of um, a population I mean, of 68 million, back then the population was much smaller, of course. Much smaller, So yes. the proportion was high. Absolutely. So nothing was going to make the politicians do anything about this. No, because it, it was... I mean, to, to completely rebuild the sewers of London to yeah. serve two million people was going to be a really expensive and yeah. difficult and long-term investment. And yeah. um, you had all these private companies, of course, that owned the water companies, you know, who didn't really yeah. want to fork out for it. The government didn't want to fork out for it until, John. Until, until. what happened? <laughs> so let's go to 1858. Oh, that was a lovely summer. Um, wasn't it a lovely summer? Well, this is part of the problem. Now, they, they've up to this point, they've discussed lots of different options and amendments to Bazalgette's plan. So Bazalgette has already put forward plans for a sewer system. Yeah. And that one of the main arguments is where the outflow will be, how yes. far away from London it will be. There were different things, like, could we build a tunnel from Greenwich Marshes, taking it out to Canvey Island or somewhere? You know, can we... So can we, yeah, can we just give it no, to Essex or Kent? Is what they're saying. Can we just basically dump? <laughs> yeah, just get it out of London and dump it. Somewhere. Dump it out there with a yeah. Um, so, but despite all these different amendments to his plans and everything, they just kept rejecting, kept rejecting, kept rejecting. Sitting in the House of Commons overlooking the River Thames. Exactly. Now this is where Benjamin Hall, the Commissioner of Works, is starting to be under a little bit of pressure. Um, the Lord Chamberlain in 1957 wrote to Hall and said. Um, he complained that the pestilential state of the atmosphere at times in and about the new Houses of Parliament has on several occasions compelled me to leave the terrace and I am frequently obliged to close the door of my office. That is God. suffering. That is suffering. So Never mind the cholera deaths. Thousands of <laughs> peasants dying of cholera is one thing, but I've had to shut the door of my office in the House, <laughs> that's, and house that's, of It's got too far. It's gone too far now. That is enough. The curtains in the House of Commons were soaked in chloride of lime Blimey. to try and protect the sensitivities of the poor MPs. So they were People like... People dying, John. People sm dying. Sm but but nice smelling curtains. Imagine if they'd had scented candles back then. That would have been a massive industry. Oh, wouldn't it? Just. 1858, Palmerston's government fall, and we've yeah. got a new commissioner of works. Right, So Benjamin Hall, who's been putting all the blocks in, is out. Yeah. Then 1858, as you said, long, hot summer. Right, proper right. hot summer. Temperatures Heat in the waves. sun, 118 degrees Fahrenheit. It was as wow. hot as the Arizona desert. That's how and But much, much smellier. Much smellier. Because what happens when it's hot, John, is the water level drops. Yep. So the layers upon layer of faecal matter... I don't want to think about six, it. Six feet deep in places, John. Oh, God. Six feet deep. Up to you. How tall are you, John? I'm six feet. My dad used to tell a really awful joke about... Um, he, was, he wasn't a fan of uh, Neil Kinnock, my dad. Oh, wasn't he? Okay. And he used to say, what have you got if you've got Neil Kinnock up to his neck in shit? Not enough shit. Oh, hello, well, okay. Thank you for your, you thank you your speech at the Labour Party conference. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> so six feet of fermenting shit on the shores of the River Thames, House, right yeah, next to the House right of Commons. Right by the Houses of Parliament. Wow. So in Hansard in June... There yep. is a mention. It says it was a notorious fact that honourable gentlemen sitting in the committee rooms and in the library were utterly unable to remain there in consequence of the stench which arose from the river. Can you imagine the Victorian satirists now going, oh, <laughs> rubbing their hands, jokes about crappy politicians. There's a national satire surplus overwhelming the stand-ups of Victorian age. They're going, yeah, yeah, well, it makes a change from them having to deal with our crap. My name Just is Benjamin Elton Esquire. Yours faithfully, good night. <laughs> they must have bloody 
Uh, except Punch would have done really long jokes explaining it with arrows and everything. And oh, yeah, absolutely. Speech there was, bubbles there, there on was their one side. Thing I read, um, like a, later on, somebody in a review, they observed it. They said, the great stink concentrated minds wonderfully. Oh, so okay. it's just That's like, as oh, funny as it got, was it? Come on, yeah, guys, Victorian <laughs> comics. You could do more with this. But whatever the yeah. reasons, the, these, the, the, the sort of centralist reformers have now won. They've won over... Yeah. The, the sort of yeah. hard line, we're not paying for it, people, because the smell was that bad. I mean, if Parliament had been built where, you know, a couple of miles from the river, like where Buckingham Palace is or where Trafalgar yeah. Square is, it might, might not have happened because they wouldn't have been able to smell it as badly. So Parliament now have given the boards more authority than any of its predecessors. Yeah. And they were allowed to construct this new system of drainage for London. According to their own judgment, they were given free reign, Bazalgette, do yeah. your best. You Fantastic. Know? So and must, yeah. at this point, they're going to have very little danger of interference from Parliament or from anyone else because because it was so desperately needed. Yeah. Um, so, and Basil yes, Jett and, really went for it, didn't he? He really did. I mean, the, well, the bill was rushed through Parliament, should we say, in 18 days. <laughs> in yeah, 18 yeah. Days. And they, were, they were holding their noses as they voted. Yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Just do it, just do <laughs> it. So, yeah, it took 16 years Wow. Uh, over the next 16 years, Bazalgette and his team, they construct 82 miles of, wow. of uh, main intercepting sewers, 1,100 miles of street sewers, wow. four pumping stations, two treatment works and three embankments. So, you know, the, you've got the Victoria, the Chelsea and the Albert embankments were all built by by Bazalgette. So they were all just muddy beaches full of poo before. And he sort of, yeah. so he, the river became narrower yeah. and 50 acres was claimed back from the, the, the river. So what's now a bit of a dual carriageway and all those places where the cars are whizzing back and forth. That was suddenly lovely yeah. walkways and, you know, incredible. Yeah. And, and, and there's Beach a map before. in that, there's a, yeah, there's a map in that book that uh, we both quoted, the Halliday book, mm. of all the sewers going under London. One of them goes right under my house. One of the main oh, really? sewers goes under Clapham. I, I live <laughs> above the brown line. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder yeah. if you just drop straight into it then. Yeah, it just right, goes straight goes, from your there, are actually, there are actually stink pipes in the high street, so that's probably what that comes. Those great oh, big green yeah. pipes you see—they're all sort of Victorian and ornate, you know. Now, Bazalgette was a clever man, John. Yes. For many reasons, not only was he a great engineer, he also had a little bit of foresight because London had a population of around two, three million at that point. Yeah. But he'd seen the population growth, and he knew the industry was growing, so he knew yeah. that was going to get more and more so he calculated the diameter required for the pipes and everything and then doubled it just to, to account for the unforeseen he made it future proof he made it future he made proof. it future proof if he hadn't done that if he'd stuck with the oh. calculations the london yeah. sewer would have completely overflowed by the 1960s wow um, but as it is it's still doing the job today it does overflow doing so the job. overflows doing, were doing, doing, doing the job, the job. Doing the job. Oh, John. Oh, John. <laughs> Sorry, Carol. Oh, John. So the <laughs> overflows were built into it. So if there's a particularly heavy rainfall or something, the, the sewage can sometimes go into the river. And In a because storm. that's been happening more recently, that's why this new big sewage, yes. uh, the tideway or whatever it's called, is being built. Because it's only now that they've gone, OK, that's happening too often now. Right, I see. Because... Um, um... Yeah, I was quite shocked to read that. So that when you you mm. just cannot build a back then you couldn't build a sewage system uh, that could cope with sort of four inches of rain in an hour, but uh, that happening once every sort of two or three years. So that's when it's yeah. allowed to flow over into the Thames. And he's built weirs and sort of uh, overspills. But yeah. 
Yeah, there's a problem of, of, of sewage still in this country going into uh, into rivers. It's a, a weird watching the um, Gone Fishing program with uh, uh, Bob Mortimer and that. Mm. They they got Fergal Sharkey from The Undertones, who's passionate about sewage going into the chalk streams. And they had a whole feature of Fergal Sharkey. He's been campaigning about Thames water and about the pollution of our streams with sewage. This is the most unlikely campaigner, the, the, the lead yeah. singer of Teenage Kicks, you know. Uh, <laughs> but they, if you're a trout fisherman, then you feel very strongly about all of this. Right. But... Um, yeah, so that's why they're they're still doing those massive buildings in London at the moment. I suppose is to is to to, to, to deal with this particular problem. So yeah. tell me more about um, about the actual so, sewers themselves. The sewers Angela. that you built, they took uh, three hundred and eighteen million bricks and eight hundred and eighty thousand cubic yards of concrete. Concrete, Angela. Oh, Concrete, no, like your concrete. concrete, like your little candles that you got for Christmas. Like my little candles I got for Christmas. Yes, your you Christmas present that you got. Don't blame me. Blame Brexit. <laughs> So, for everything. <laughs> he was very strict on quality control, Basil Jet. He was a yeah. real sort of meticulous... There's not much known about him as a man, but yeah. what it seems to me is that he probably wouldn't have been a lot of fun at dinner parties. Well, he worked till one in the morning every day anyway. He, he, was, he, he lived really in Wimbledon he and he was getting home really meticulous. late. Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, made sewers. So I'm not sure I'd want to sit next to him. <laughs> they used Portland cement, this new sort of... Uh, cement and he had each batch of it was meticulously tested like yeah, so quality had, control yeah the old cement had a breaking point of 200 pounds per square inch portland mm. cracked at 600 pounds per square inch much much stronger which meant that you know any movement or pressure or wear and tear was much less likely which is why it's been these sewers are still in use today yeah um, and of course another thing another feature of the sewers then in the the pumping stations and everything else they built um, is something that the modernists obviously didn't believe in was beauty as well as function. Um, yeah. So, you know, not only were they functional, you had these uh, beautiful pump houses built in a sort of Romanesque style. There's the Crossness pumping station, um, which Great English heritage sort of, yeah, yeah. you know, now um, Lord as historically important and these beautiful buildings to house well, all, all yeah. the stuff that's carrying your shit away. Well, if you look along the embankments, they've got, you know, uh, uh, ornate sort of dolphins, uh, statues uh, mm. with all the lampposts. And um, as I said, I've been doing a lot of walking around London recently. And um, mm. there's, a, there's a little, um, there's a few little sort of um, plaques to Basil Jet, you know, along the river. But you realise how beautifully done the embankments are. The only thing I'd say is, because the river was a negative thing, it was a, a, an unpleasant thing to look at. There's no sense of make. Let's make sure we've all got a view of the river, which is something we would like now. So there's walls yeah. and the bridge. You know, when it's not yeah, something you. That's something the modernists did do, isn't it? Yeah, ironically, so sort of on the south bank. Yeah, yeah. Make it so um, that you can see the river. That's uh, but in the Victorian times, it's like turn your back on the river, and now we're sort of trying yeah. to face face water, whether it's the canals or the or the Thames. But I mean, yeah. so the poo didn't disappear of course it was all pumped out to barking wasn't it it was all yes. taken out to uh these uh, houses way out in essex and kent so yeah. down there although these places were just mud flats and sort of uh yeah, places they were where bone, highly populated places at the time they're all yeah. bone boilers and sort of tanners and stuff out there yeah but those places started to get populated later yeah. on and by the uh, i might be jumping ahead a bit a bit here, Angela, but the Princess Alice disaster. I just ah. want to say something about that. In 1878, yeah. a boat went down in the Thames Estuary there. 600 people died in drowning in, in, in poo. Sewage. In sewage. Yeah. Uh, well, it's actually our, our friends at Crash Bang Wallop, I've mentioned this before, oh, yeah? we've done an episode on the Princess Alice disaster. Okay. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Um, 
So I really recommend go to a Crash Bang Wallop podcast and download their episode on the Princess Alice disaster. It's harrowing. Yeah, can you imagine it? I mean, some of them were drowning. Drowning is bad enough, but, but drowning, drowning in, in shit. Yeah, in, in um, Essex. I tell you where we mentioned it before when we were doing um, uh, the Jack the Ripper podcast. All oh, right. Because one of his victims had pretended that her husband died on the Princess. Oh, Island. okay. But the thing is, it was. Um, way downstream and they released the poo at high tide so that it mm-hmm. flowed out into the North Sea. Whereas before, the poo had been slopping up and down through London. They also made it law that you could only extract water from above Teddington. So Teddington was, is the first weir on the Thames, as John the Boatsman will tell you. <laughs> Teddington's name comes from Tide Ends Town. That's where the Tide oh, really? Ends. Yes. So t- Tide oh, Ends Town, take the water from above that weir. I thought it was a posh bloke called Teddington. <laughs> Teddington. Just assumed, um, for short. I've, yeah, I took my narrowboat from London up the Thames, so I had to get through. There's, a, there's another weir at Richmond, but when the tide rises, you sail straight over it. So you have to time. When I took my boat from Brentford to the non-tidal Thames, I had to go over this weir, which is as the water rises at, at, at Richmond. Then immediately you're into Teddington Lock. And you go, wow, I'm on the non-tidal Thames, and it's a very different feeling. The river's very different. And you're not scared anymore of the, being swept out by the, by, the, by the mighty tide on the, on wow. the, on the tidal Thames. Um, I want to come on your boat, John. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a podcast. We'll do an episode do from pod- my boat. We'll do an when, episode from the boat when we're allowed. Yeah, we'll do one on the canals from my boat. Oh, chug, 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 chug. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah, but it's out in Oxford now. Right. Now, I'm, I swim in the Thames now all the time. Only a bit of shit in it now. There's a bit of shit. Right. It's cow shit. It's, it's actually um, what it is. The uh, agricultural runoff is the problem in the Thames now. And a bit, of, right. a bit of stuff that they put in the chalk streams as well. So you yeah. have to be Whatever you do when you're Whatever. in the Thames. I know. I just wee next to a tree in the woods. That's all I do. In the countryside, obviously. Not in the, when I'm in Teddington. I'm sorry, I was diverting because you got me excited talking about boats. No, that's fine. No, so the new sewers, the grand opening, 1865. There was yeah. a ceremony at Crossness, this beautiful pumping house, and it was and attended it, by members of royalty, MPs, Lord Mayor of London, Archbishops of Canterbury and York, uh, and was followed by a dinner for 500 within the pumping station. There's a great quote from the Times from this opening. At this time, a great mob of roughs was steadfastly bent upon pushing westward, but its progress was arrested in a masterly manner by the police, and the occupants of the reserved seats spared a sudden commingling with some of the most unsavoury denizens <laughs> of the least favoured parts of London. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, oh. that's what they're up against in those days. Jesus I'm not, I'm not saying they're a bunch of snobs, but really. You just, yeah, I mean... Yeah we've, yeah, we've talked a lot about being poor in the 19th century. It's, it wasn't it wasn't fun. Yeah, it was really shit, wasn't it? So the embankments, <laughs> the embankment, the, the, the embankments we talked about, Chelsea, you know, Victoria, yep. 52 acres of land we claim from the Thames. Um, wow. the, the old Strand, there's reason it's called the Strand, it's because it was a beach, you know, in the old right, days, yeah, that was, was the, the foreshore. Uh, but then now we have a new, a new, a new foreshore, uh, relieving congestion on the roads and new mm-hmm. uh, parks, new walkways. Uh, transforming London and um, yeah. um, some of the crown because it was crown land they wanted to build some private property on it and but there was right. a, there's a bit of a campaign saying no let's have this for everyone we've you know everyone is um, uh, everyone should be allowed to walk along these spaces and make them open spaces not more uh, 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 places for private development you've got lovely gardens and things like yeah like temple and around there gardens yeah and, embankment yeah, gardens yeah and and of course Basil Jet Charing Cross and and he also was involved with um, uh, rec- reclamation of Battersea Park and Victoria Park, Clapham Common, all those places. Bazalgette had a hand in um, reclaiming some of those. So really, it's funny, isn't it, that we don't know his name, really? Because he, I mean, he probably saved more lives than a lot of engineers. I, he saved <laughs> yeah, more lives than pretty well 
anyone we can think of. You know, he's a he's a national hero. And when you do the Great Britons, it's always like, oh, you know, Henry VIII or Kingdom Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's because it's about. I tell you what it is. It's because it's about toilets, Angela. That's what it is. It's not about great towering monuments. It's about underground pipes. He's got a monument on on the embankment, but it's tiny. Yeah. It's really tiny near Charing Cross. It's really tiny little, and it's like his little bust sat, set in a circle to represent the sewers. Oh, that's nice. Thanks a well, lot. That's my memorial. I'm in a sewer. Cheers oh, great. Thanks a lot. Um, I did other things as well. I did the bloody railways. Remember? Yeah, I had a, a bloody breakdown about that. Yeah, but no. All you think about is the shit. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, London then continued to grow. Uh, in the 19th, 20th century. So outer suburbs weren't covered by Bazalgette's original system. So they were provided with separate sewerage and rainwater infrastructure everywhere. But it was his main sewer system has lasted. 150 years. Yeah. London, thanks to him, one of the greenest capitals in the world. And one of the lowest incidents of uh, death by cholera. Uh, Hamburg had a terrible outbreak in the late 19th century. An eighth of the population of London and um, uh, many more deaths. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we have uh, Basil Jet and his determination to make this a really effective and thorough and, and system. And is the Thames not still one of the cleanest rivers in the world? Uh, I don't like, know. Like, probably the urban. City, probably uh, in urban, city. yeah. I mean, um, it actually was pretty, uh, pretty crappy in because of industrial outpourings. Yeah, yeah, uh, but that's, uh, Thatch got rid of industry, so that's off that one. Now you do get trout and, uh, I'm not sure if there's salmon in the Thames. Somebody, I'm sure a listener will tell us whether mm. salmon have come back to the Thames or not. But um, you and do get the old get dolphins to... swim up, don't you? The old oh, seal. Oh yeah, of course you do. The old, yeah. By 2012, of course, population of Greater London has grown to about 8 million. Yeah. And that's when Thames water have gone, okay, <laughs> we need little. to, we need yeah. to e- extend capacity here. Um, but that's a, yeah. Thank thank you, Joseph Bajorget. And um, his family have gone on to do many great things. Uh, 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 yes. At the, end of the, at the end of the book, they list, uh, they list some of the sort of uh, Spitfire pilots or whatever. And then, of course, Peter Bajorget, the uh, yeah, production company, TV made Big production. Brother. Yes. Uh, so Stephen Fry pointed out that while his grandfather had uh, taken all the shit out of our homes, his grandson made Big Brother and put the shit back into it. <laughs> And on that note, John. <laughs> on that bombshell, we say thank you, Joseph Bazalgette uh, and the Victorians for doing such a good job of dealing with uh, the stuff that we like not to think about. But yes. you saved a lot of lives. You gave yes, us, uh, you. You gave you us the, the embankments. And um, uh, we perhaps should think about these things a little bit more after we flush. Yeah. yeah. And um, isn't it good to be back, John? It's great Why to be not? back, isn't it? It's great to be back. Even it's though your politics have shifted slightly, Angela, <laughs> even though... There's a lot more stuff about, you know, secret paedophile rings eating babies. Um, it's in the basement of a pizza restaurant, John. I've seen it on a YouTube video, so I know it's true. But, yeah, I'm um, going to go off now and play on my board game that you gave me for Christmas. Oh, that's right, it never came. It never came, I forgot. Um, oh, did I say it was fun to be back? I it like. was fun to be back. Thank uh, you for listening. Continue to, to tweet us and tell your friends and go yep. on to iTunes and yep. give us a five-star review, please, because that really helps. Helps, and, helps um, our ag- algorithms, it does. Yeah, yeah. Well done, John. You learned a new word. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, next we week with another exciting episode of We Are History uh, for listening. And thank uh, you for your shit podcast, Angela. <laughs> thank you, John.